Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've got your Bible with me, uh, you can turn to Philippians. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning. My dad, as a pastor growing up, he would uh, make the comment that uh, preaching after some good worship makes the sermon a lot better. And I would agree with that this morning. Thank you, those of you who led worship. And uh, I think it's, it's going to be good now that we've uh, offered up praises to God. And uh, just even the prayers this morning that I've been able to uh, experience. And uh, thank you all for praying for me this week. And uh, I've definitely been praying for you all that God would speak a message into your heart, that you would learn something uh, through me from him today. And so, uh, with that being said, I do want to read this text, and, and uh, it'll be in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read seven verses this morning, and we're going to work those, through those together. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, it reads, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, I pray just as we have offered up prayers already, just to, to second the idea that, God, we want to hear from you this morning. We want to know you more as the day of Christ approaches. And so, Father, this morning as we gather as God's people, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us today, that uh, we would understand the truth of God's Word that we read and, and talk about today, Lord. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of today's sermon is Trust the Process. There was a uh, basketball player by the name of Joel Embiid in 2014 who would go on to say these very words, trust the process. And as he said this, he was just drafted to a basketball team that was not doing very good. And if you've experienced sports, there's good teams and there's bad teams. And the uh, professional basketball team that he was playing for, the 76ers, they were actually going through a slump. And so they came up with a slogan. It was actually the fans that came up with the slogan, but Joel Embiid would go on TV and say, trust the process. And so as this was kind of the montage of, you know, what they were looking forward to, to get better, to get out of that slump, they had to do their individual parts. They had to trust all the working parts in order to be a winning team. And so I, I bring this up because 
it's interesting how the process of salvation is similar to that. We've got to trust in someone to get us to the end. We can't trust maybe uh, people, but we can trust the persons, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, to get us to heaven one day, to bring us to completion, that is, in the process of salvation. This morning, I do want to, uh, as we approach this text going from verses 12 into 13, I want us to think about us running a race. There's a verse actually in our text where Paul mentions that I did not run in vain. And so as we go through these verses, keep in mind this idea of a race. There's a starting mark, of course, if you've ever been in a race, and then there's an end goal. There's a finish line that you've got to get to, but then there's the race that's in between. And so as we read these scriptures, think about us going into a race. And as I was thinking about Paul, as he uses that language of running the race, there was once a, a time in my life when I was in elementary school and our elementary school would actually have what was called a junior Olympics and we would compete in push-ups and sit-ups and all the things even races and so uh, how fun that was there was a race that I was put in that, that my teacher thought I would be good at my PE teacher and they put me in the mile run so as I was Running the mile, there were uh, kids from other schools who were also running the mile, and, it, and at our track it was about four laps, you know. And so I was running this mile, and I took off right away, and I was running as hard as I could, and I was going out in front of the pack as an elementary school kid, and then it got to about the last lap, and I was on my last turn, and as I was getting closer to the finish line, people were starting to pass me. And if you are a runner, you know that you've got to have a pace when you run. You can't just do it all at once and then expect to, to do the, the best, right? You've got to set the pace. You've got to be smart about the way that you run. And so I say this because this morning as we run the race to perfection, to completion in Christ, we've got to run at a pace that's in step with the Spirit. Paul would say that we've got to walk by the Spirit, that we wouldn't gratify the desires of our flesh. And so here, the process involves that of the Spirit, what we would call sanctification, the fact that God would bring us through this life to make us more holy, to be prepared to be in His presence one day. That's what sanctification, that's the idea of it. And we see that here in verse 12 as it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. What is Paul talking about here? Paul is talking about that he's seen their obedience. He's seen that they're Christians, that they're doing what they're supposed to. But he goes one step further and he says, I know that you know how to obey, but when I leave you, I still want you to obey. Right? My coach in high school would tell me that character is that what you do when no one's watching. Right? That's what pure character is. And here Paul might be echoing that and that uh, he wants their obedience when he's gone. To do it for the right reasons. To have the right heart behind one's obedience. And so really, to be in step, to, to be in pace with the Spirit, obedience is necessary. We've got to obey what God has before us. And if there's any standard or anything that we should go by, or uh, maybe a manual, it would be the Word of God. James would say the word implanted, that we would have it in us so much 
that because we have it in us, our life looks differently because we live that truth out. And so here he says, I want obedience when I'm gone. And then he says, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. He, he doesn't really get into detail about what he's talking about. But if you look at the Greek idea here of, of work out, it's actually the idea that you finish something or you do a work to complete it, to, to get to the finished uh, part of that work that you're doing. And so Paul would say that obedience is the work and you should work it out. Right? You should continue to be obedient in a way that eventually you're going to finish or you're going to complete what God is doing in you. And he says to do that with fear and with trembling. One of my professors at Liberty would say that fear in, in Scripture takes on a lot of different understandings. From our text today, I'm here to tell you that the fear that Paul is talking about is that of not uh, being shameful of how one lives, that you live in such a way that uh, God is not ashamed of the way that you're living, so that you obey Him so much so that He's proud of you, that He loves the way that you're living for Him, that you are doing all that you can with pure motives at heart to please Him. And so he says, with fear and trembling. And if there's a, maybe a word or, or Scripture to underline this morning, it's in verse 13. This is maybe the encouragement that I can leave you with today as we come into God's house and we understand these truths from His Word. It's that, that uh, verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. It is God who's going to get us to the finish line. That Paul would say that I didn't run in vain because God was in me and He was at work in me. That we would stay in pace, that we wouldn't get ahead of the pack, right? We would help each other get to the finish line, that we would do this knowing that verse 13, for it is God. God. It doesn't say for it is Noah. It, it is God who is at work in you. That is huge. I don't want us to, to get to the end of our text without understanding this morning that you have God at work in you. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe that God had raised Him from the dead, you have the Spirit in you. That, that same power that raised Him from the dead. Right, Talking about uh, just recently with the resurrection. Understanding and celebrating what God has done through us through Jesus Christ. We have here what is continued. That Jesus would leave this earth and He would leave us a helper. Someone that would remind us of the truth that's in God's Word, right? He's called the Spirit of Truth. And then one that consoles. He's called the Comforter in Scripture. This is what we're left with, that He would work in us. So when Paul says that we've got to work out our salvation, he doesn't leave out that we have something in us that helps us work that salvation out. This is the beauty of the process. This is the Trinity on display. God the Father would give His Son and His Son would leave the Spirit to work in us, verse 13 says. And it continues and Paul, he's trying to get uh, maybe to the detail of it without us getting lost. And he says, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And I want to sit down on that for just a minute because the idea of God working in us and then us also working there's a mystery there, right? You think about how God is uh, all-powerful. 
God is all knowing. God is sovereign. And then even the songs that we were singing today, who can stop God Almighty, the the Lord? Who, Who can stop him for his pleasure and his purposes are good? And so if anything, verse 13 tells us that we've got to work for his good pleasure, for his good purpose. I was always told growing up when when I'm praying to make sure that what I'm praying for is aligned with his will. I was told that over and over again. So thankful for someone that told me that, right? Sometimes we offer prayers and we don't even think what God wants for our own lives, right? When you bow your head and you think about your conversation before the Lord, that you would think about what he wants for your life. What would benefit you? What what do you need? Not what you want. What do you need to keep going, to finish the race, to run the race to completion? And so if there's maybe a a takeaway from verses 12 and 13, this is what I have if you're taking notes. The power of God within, right? The, The power of God within sets the pace for fearful obedience to Him. A little rhyme there for you to maybe remember. The power of God within sets the pace for fearful obedience to Him. It's because that God is working within us that there's now a pace set, right? Thinking about that race that I ran, I took off. But if I would have been in step with the Spirit, right? If I would have went the pace that I was supposed to go, I would have finished First, I would have finished. And Paul in his in scripture, he goes on to tell us that run after the prize. Go for the prize as if you're going to go to be first. Right. That's a, a Johnson paraphrase. Right. That's not exactly what scripture would say. But Paul's idea there is that we would run after him in such a way to win the prize, to be in pace with his spirit. And we do that because we fearfully obey him because he's at work in us. And then as we move into verse 14, this answers uh, the question that we would ask, how do I run well? How do do I run well? If if I know that God has uh, come into my heart and that he's working within me, how do I do it well? I know that I've got to stay in pace with his spirit, but how do I run well? Verse 14 gives us direct application. If you want to know how to run the race well, here's some uh, ideas that Paul throws at us in verse 14. Do all things, right? Not some things, all things without grumbling or disputing. Grumbling is the idea that we would uh, almost murmur. That's kind of the Greek understanding of that word uh, grumbling is that we would, uh, under our breath, we would say Uh, things against other people or against God that we would uh, not trust the Lord in that situation uh, that we're in, that we would uh, tell God that he's not doing his part. This is the idea of grumbling. And then disputing is the fact that you would go on to create quarrels, that you would go on to have arguments with people concerning the things other than salvation, that you would go so far as to stir people up. And I'm sure you've experienced in your life People like that. Maybe that was you at one point. That you enjoyed seeing someone just flare up for whatever reason. That you love to maybe start these things and, and you enjoyed being the one that was only right. That you would dispute that you thought that you had all the answers and that what anybody else said 
was not as good as what you had to say. And so Paul says, you've got to flip the script on that. You can't be the one starting these, these uh, arguments. You can't be the one not trusting me, right? Trust the process. You've got to understand that my promises and my pleasures and my purpose for you is good. It's good. And that's why we say that God is good. So how do you run well? You run well by being content. First Timothy 6, 6 through 8 would say this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. The basics is all that we need. That, and that God would be in us so much that we would care more about our character than our comfort. And so we're content. And also that we would make peace with people. We wouldn't stir up people. Proverbs 14.30 talks about uh, this idea of uh, a tranquil heart giving life to the body. In Proverbs it would say, uh, 14.30, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. You see, if we live a life of peace, it's life to our body and it's also life to those that we minister to, that we communicate with, that we do life with. Matthew 5.9 5, would say that blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. Right? In the uh, worship this morning, we were singing sons and daughters, children of God, that we would be claimed by Him, that we would be of Him. This is what Paul is giving as direct application. If you want to run well, practice these things. And then verse 15 and 16, it says, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. So, if we're running the race and we know how to run it well, what's the goal? What's the finish line? What are we striving for? What are we trying to get to? And Paul would say, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless. So that one day you could stand before God and say that I am blameless. Not because of things that you've done. No, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 talks about it's not by works, but it's by faith by the grace of God. And so we stand before God one day knowing that we are pure and blameless because of the blood that was shed on the cross, because of the cross of Christ, because the blood was, was pouring out from the Savior, the one who would take the sins away from the world as John the Baptist would proclaim before his, his appearing. That He is our Savior. That because of this, we are blameless. We, we don't have sin on our backs. We're, we're innocent. We're pure children of God, Paul would echo. And he would say above reproach, what's going on on the inside, it's going to come out on the outside. Right? God looks at the heart. God changes the heart. God works with what's going on in our thoughts and our minds. And so here it's the picture of the goal, the, the end goal that we would strive for, knowing that God is at work in us. In verse 16, it even mentions holding fast the word of life. You see, Paul was writing to a church in Philippi, and he understood that they had, they knew how to 
obey God, right? We understand that from verse 12 and that we've already read. But even more, that obedience would be best if they would hold fast to the word of life. This is the idea of the gospel, that if they would proclaim, if they would preach, if they would live out the gospel in their area there in Philippi, they would be doing great for God's kingdom. Because it says so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory. So this is more personal to Paul now in verse 16. He's seeing that the Philippian church, they need to hold fast to the word, the the gospel. But then he's saying, so that when I appear before the Lord, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. You see, Paul was a missionary. Paul was a church planner. Paul was a preacher. Paul was doing all that he could with his efforts, his energy, and his time to uplift the name of God. That he would hold fast to the word and be an example to this church. And so that one day when he got to the finish line, when he was pure and blameless and innocent before God, that he could say that I did all those things for a purpose and that it's not in vain. I did all those things for good reason, because when he reaches that finish line, he experiences what we read about in 17 and 18. Look with me in verse 17. It says, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You see, the result maybe of us living obediently to Christ is the fact that one day we would be exalted, that we would be blameless like Christ, that, we would under, that God would understand us as His children, that it would give us a sense of joy. And because of our joy, verse 18, it says we rejoice in the same way and we share this joy. We share this joy. When you come into a place like this of worship and of prayer under one name, we share something and it's in unison it's in uniformity have you ever looked up into the sky and saw the stars late at night when you look up in the the sky there what do you see what do you notice when you see a black sky with stars you see the stars you don't look up in the sky and say look at all that black up there (laughs) right you see the stars you see the beauty of how they shine And so here, when verse 15, it says, whom you appear as lights in the world. It's the idea of looking up into the sky and seeing stars in the universe. Some of the translations I was looking at this week actually say like stars in the universe. It's the idea that we stand out. And we don't look up maybe to see one star. We look up to see the collective group of stars. I love Uh, never really looked into constellations, but the fact that constellations would come together in such a way to to make a picture or to make some kind of uh, unique thing to look at, right? And I think about how the church is, we are each individually striving, running the race that God has set before us, that we would run in such a way to be blameless, to be righteous, but that we would all do it together and that we could share in that. And not only share in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that we could share in the joy that Paul talks about. Because when we know what's going to happen in the end, there's joy. And we have time and we have reason to worship. 
Rejoicing is the idea of praise filled with joy. Because I have joy, because I have the Spirit who gives me joy, I'm then able to praise, right? What's going on on the inside, Paul says to work that out. Work out your salvation. And so as we close in our time today, I want us to think about just for a minute what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy verse 4 and 7. Knowing that he wrote also what the text that we looked at today, but he also wrote as he was on his deathbed, if you will, as he was going to be with the Lord physically leaving the earth, just like Christ you know, came and he left the earth to be with God. Paul, he would write these words at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Talking about the race today. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul had looked at his life and he said, I have done all these things. It's not like the young rich ruler who said, I've kept all the commandments. No, I have kept the faith. I remembered, God, that you were living in me the whole time that I was ministering to those people in Philippi. You were with me when I planted that church, when I reached out and I shared the gospel with that one little kid or that uh, man who came, right? I mean, you read in Scripture, Paul, he witnessed to all these different types of people, but he understood that all that time, God was at work within him. That he obeyed. I'm here to tell you that we're not perfect. Paul was not perfect. But Jesus was perfect. And he's going to be the one, right, in, in chapter 2 and verse 8, that he was obedient to the point of death. Obedient to the point of death, even, even death on a cross. What an example not only an example, but someone who gives us salvation. The fact that He has set the standard in such a way that when we run the race, we know that He's with us, and because of Him, we're going to reach the finish line. Isn't that good news today, church? That we're going to get to the finish line, and I hope and pray that this church and the churches in this world, the, the church at large, would be able to say that they fought the good fight, that they finished the race, and they kept the faith. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we close our time, knowing what You have for us in Philippians, God, that You would work in us in such a way that we would give You praise, that it would fill our hearts with joy. God, You work in ways that we can't fathom sometimes. Sometimes we don't understand why things happen to us in this life. We don't understand why people are in our path. We don't understand why you might be leading us in a direction that we didn't see coming, God. But Lord, we trust you. We trust the process of salvation, the process that you would work in us and bring us to completion until the day of Christ. God, You are perfect. And Lord, as we glean on these truths today, I pray, God, that You would work in our hearts. And if there be someone today that would commit their life to You, that they would step into the 
the competition, God, that they would be followers of Christ and that they would race to the finish line, that they can say that they have a goal, that they have something that they're striving for, that they're not just comfortly being where they are, but God, that they would strive after you, that they would work after you. And so God, we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.